I mean, I feel like it's not, it's obviously not giving birth, but it felt like we were trying to bring something to life and then it was, and then I needed to smoke and go to sleep. This is Kima. Welcome back, by the way. Come as you are, season two. They said we couldn't do it, but we've done it. When I say they, I mean the voices in my head that are constantly on at me for not doing enough, even though I've got rather a lot on at the moment. I'm not even humble bragging. I'm just, I've had a baby and my whole life has changed. Look, I promise I won't drop that into every single sentence, but we do get to that quite early on because Kima asked me about it, a testament to what an extraordinary human being is. She checks in with me, the host straight away. So we don't need any of me in this intro. Welcome back. If you are a subscriber, this would have dropped directly into your podcast app. If you're finding us for the first time, hi there. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. Come As You Are Season 1, there are 11 delicious slices of Come As You Are Season 1 to lap up, but no need to catch up. You can stay here sit comfortably, listen in to Kima and then go back and rough, 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 <laughs> all of it straight down in one. Um, if you would like to support the podcast uh, and you're thinking, this is the first time I'm listening, lady. How do I know if I want to support yet? You will. Just rest assured, you'll want to rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever else you're listening and you'll want to drop us some pounds or pennies or dollars on Patreon. We are on www.patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff. That's stuff with two Fs, like the beer in The Simpsons. We will be posting a bunch of extra content on our Patreon this series. There's so much gold in this chat with Kima that I had to cut and then make into little kind of mini episodes that I'm going to shove straight up there. In fact, if you're listening to this a week before anybody else gets to hear it, we love you. Thank you for being our Patreons. Uh, Is that, am I, should I not be so full on? I mean, even if you're not our Patreon, we still love you. Love is free, love is abundant. Love can come direct from me to you without us ever having to have met. Okay, (laughs) we went pretty intense pretty early. I've obviously missed this pod a lot. Let's talk about Kima. She is such an exciting guest to open the series with. I'm going to read her bio because it's beautiful. Kima, she slash they, is a comedian, presenter, writer, actor, drag artist and producer from Houston, Texas, now based in London. Her work centres black cultural identity, mental health, sexuality, gender, healing and well-being, using entertainment as a tool for enlightenment and empowerment. She takes huge inspiration from Oprah, Beyonce and The Sun, aiming to spread love, light and warmth everywhere she goes, which she definitely achieves in this episode. I have edited it and so I've heard every single syllable she emits uh, during the interview that we did and it's a joy. It's a real joy to listen to. I'm very excited to share it with you. I'm not going to say too much more because as I said, we get to me in the intro anyway, but I will say that even though she is a beacon of light, she also obviously has moments of darkness and we touch on those too. We talk about bipolar and other mental health issues. If you are curious about that or you want some support for yourself or someone you know, I'm dropping a bunch of links in the episode notes where our Patreon link will also be and more links to Kima's incredible work across Dave, Channel 4, the It's a Sin After Hours episodes, the Guilty Feminist podcast that she's all over. Go there, find more of her and find more stuff to support you if you're going through anything that we talk about here. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. We are so glad to be back. Thank you for staying with us, or thank you for joining us for the first time. Here we go. Come as you are, season two, with the wonderful Kima Bob. Hello, 
like you would have a very fun perspective on it. That sets you up. I'm sorry. That sets you up to have to have a fun perspective. You might just be like super <laughs> vanilla. I hate them. You are How like about that? fine. I, I find the idea that vanilla is a derogatory term very sad because it's actually my favorite flavor huh. of ice cream. If done it's well. It's a nice flavor. If done well. If you find yourself in Texas, there is a brand called Bluebell. Mm-hmm. And Bluebell's homemade vanilla was my ice cream growing up unapologetically. I mean it so much that I've just gotten into other flavors as an adult. That's how <laughs> strong that vanilla is. I think potentially it would be quite fun to do like five different vanillas in five different bowls. Can't have them mixed. Yeah, and yeah. then see if you could see if you could put a little blindfold on. Mm-hmm. That sounds so much more exciting to me than um actual sex at this point. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm seven months pregnant. So for me, oh the my idea God. of doing a blind taste test on vanilla ice cream. Yeah. As opposed to um anything more intensely intimate is my yeah. ideal. That is sex. <laughs> oh my gosh. How is that? How is and, that? I yeah. haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. I um I was gonna talk to you about it because have you ever I'm pregnant. <laughs> I was gonna say it's actually such a loaded question. I remember Sadly, I I've someone, never been pregnant. Yeah. Um I'm ashamed to say <laughs> I'd never been <laughs> pregnant before this. And you wouldn't believe how hard it is to convince a midwife or somebody who's working in like maternity medicine that that's the mm. case like you might mm. go this is my first I keep saying uh this is our first baby this is my boyfriend and yeah first baby. and then they're like but is it your first pregnancy yeah exactly and then they're also like mm. but is it his first child and are you sure of that like every why does it to, matter <laughs> I think maybe to southeast London a lot of people have got hidden families like second and yeah. thirds tucked away somewhere I I want to ask you a question because it's been on my mind this whole time mm-hmm. um have you come well pregnant yes a great question thank you for interviewing me no one ever does yeah um, people are selfish <laughs> <laughs> I um I thought about you last night, actually. No, I didn't. I thought Thank about you Thank you. When you came, well night. pregnant. That's exactly. What happened was, so last night, and I know people often tell stories where it's like, oh, it's convenient. It just happened. But this genuinely happened last night. Last night, we gate crashed an NCT group, which is like a group mm. that you go to if you want to be kind of taught how to give birth. Okay. So it's a, a bunch of pregnant couples gathered together with a midwife and their midwife explains over like several sessions these are all online how it's going to work hypnobirthing techniques what can go Mm. wrong I think they show you some like horrific videos etc we'd had an argument before we were like running really late smashing down some soup my boyfriend decided to shave his head like five minutes before (laughs) (laughs) all that kind of thing and uh, and so we logged on and this group opened up in front of us on the zoom room and they looked horrified to see us. And they were like, who are you and why are you here? We're like, uh, and they were like, we're on our fourth week. You don't belong in this group. <laughs> we were like, oh, wow. They must have yeah. doubled up the link. Right? <laughs> and meanwhile, they've like probably gone through all this intimate shit with each other. And they're oh, like, who the fuck are you? They felt so invaded you could see in their eyes. My boyfriend, <laughs> because he's practicing dad jokes, was like, when she went, where are you supposed to be? And <laughs> he went... Uh, this is Alcoholics Anonymous, right? 
And it was like, oh, my, oh, God. God. oh, oh God. my goodness. Shut the laptop now. Anyway, so we locked up. I looked in my diary and was like, oh, shit, we don't start for another two weeks. So we were completely wrong. So completely wrong to be in there. That's As a in- consequence of having incredible. this free evening that we did not expect, we did have sex, which is not that yeah. regular anymore because yeah. pregnancy is so like hit and miss. You're not, sometimes you're just exhausted. Also, I just think like weirdly coordinating schedules even though you're both working from home, still yeah, yeah. is hard. Yeah. Coordinating energies, all of that. And plus a year of pandemic, like nobody's yeah. still feeling sexy, let's be honest. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we had sex because there was this like secret window that opened up that we weren't expecting to have when we were supposed to be on a boring NCT call. And it was great. It was really good. It was really, really, really good. Yeah. And it was a I different kind that. of orgasm because... Uh, obviously there's restrictions with having like a massive belly and not wanting to like push down too hard on it. So you have to get quite wide in the hips. I don't really like being taken from behind. I've talked about this before on the podcast and it's still the case. I personally love it. Really? That's so cool. I wish I'd, there's certain positions I can get into where I'm more into it. Doggy, I'm just not, especially Mm. the moment with tits this size, like Mm. there's Mm. so much hanging down. You'll probably take an eye out. So it's not worth it. But it was, it was, it was great. And do you know what was really good, Kim, was I was like not excited for it. I let myself get in my head. And then we just had a chat about that beforehand, about how much I was like not loving my body or mm. not feeling like my normal self. Yeah. And then we just really connected and did loads of really slow kind of kissing yeah. and just like oh my into God. Oh, first he makes that bit. amazingly horrible, therefore amazing joke, right? <laughs> you know, just providing you a moment to fall deeper for him <laughs> in a non-sexual context. Oh, I love this communication. Mm. Communication is huge. And I think sexually, it's so important. And I don't think enough people you know, have that language with the people they're fucking. Well, I really so much for you. Well, I really tried to focus on uh, was him. I, when I was mm. in my head thinking about myself, thinking about my body, thinking about like old patterns of mm. shitty thoughts about how I may have in the past not been very kind to myself. I started to think like, who's in front of me? What do I love about his body? Mm. Why do I love being with him? And that really helped. Massively. Yeah, because you're like, having sex with there. him. Go there. <laughs> Come out of your own head. Come away from your head. Yeah. Come into this place. Be present That's here. brilliant. Yeah. How, how have you found, have you had any sex during the pandemic? Mm. You're living alone, right? Uh, yeah, I'm living alone. Um, so uh, I have had sex and I guess it's illegal um but with yeah. the, i consider a sexual partner to be a support bubble i think that if you're in belgium they 100 percent are do you know what i mean it's it's belgium had like a specific word for fuck buddies like a specific clause within the <laughs> yeah i love that so much because it's true and i'm glad that belgium can be honest with itself about people but um prior to before november 2020 the last time I had sex was July 2019 and so there was no way I was gonna make it this far without it 
just because I was over it. I had spent, you know, nearly, you know, a, a year and some change um, <laughs> in celibacy, you know, voluntarily. Mm-hmm. And then I was just over it. Um, and luckily I was out during that time when things were open, there was an event on and it was actually um, October 31st. It was the last night that we had to like exist. Um, and my friend, once she runs a wonderful um, event company slash community, I don't even know what to call it, but it's called the Cocoa Butter Club and it's lovely. Mm. So I went to go support her at a show um met my lover there thought that she was really cute and I was like I'm going to say something and I'm not usually very active in these kinds of things Mm. um but it was the last day of freedom and I thought that she was cute and so I was like come on so you gotta step it up like do you know do you want to wet up this situation or not do you want to (laughs) solve the drought or not um yeah and luckily we really like I don't know I I think I did get lucky definitely was there quite an excitement was there quite a like oh the way you talk about it as being like last night of freedom that's a real kick up the ass to obviously not only yeah about your feelings but also maybe like when you're having sex actually kind of take not take it for granted well, here's what's interesting, Helen. So we didn't um, like get together on that night, but mm. I was fucking trying <laughs> in my in my like in my way of like bad flirting and like indirectness. I was right. like, like um, towards the end of the <laughs> night, a friend was dropping us all off, and I was like, "Well, you can you know come back to my place." <laughs> I was like, eh, throughout the night, I was doing, like, little flirts and stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, at one point, I think I, like, put, like, my knee on her knee, like, we're fucking 12. Mm-hmm. No, um, that is not 12-year-old shit. That is some high-level flirtation. Knees on knees never gets old. Oh, when there's chemistry, the electricity. I was once in a cinema, and this guy put his knee on my knee. He then proceeded to run his entire hand down my whole front body. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrifying. It was a big escalation. Yeah, it was a lot. It starts it off, ooh, that knee, and then it's like, oh, why are you painting me? <laughs> exactly. No, I'm strong for I'm strong for tiny touches. Yeah. So I was trying to do like tiny touches, fill out the situation, you know. And it's so funny because like she's quite awkward. I'm awkward in my way. I'm awkward like sociable. Like it takes a lot for me to feel bad about how awkward I am. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, it's just a good time. I'm a kooky girl. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like awkward, shy, self-conscious. Mm. Um, and we were talking about it later. And she was like, I just kept thinking, why is this girl putting her knee on my knee? <laughs> she was like this is this is insane like why I think we might need to that? clarify like how far did you go with the knee key right was it because I was thinking you know, like I need to need touch like in the same way that we're doing elbows as handshakes now had you literally mounted her did you, did you go all the way I did, over I didn't like I didn't like put my leg over her leg but I positioned myself we're on a couch and I kind of positioned myself where my knee was like rest 
interesting, but it wasn't like on top of, it was like <laughs> the side with the, and we had been like talking throughout the evening mm-hmm. and that, uh, you know, and I've been doing like some eye contact quite, you know, and like at one <laughs> point I was even trying to do like a finger bite flirtation, like she was talking and I was like, I'm going to play with my lips with my hands. Like I was really fucking trying, Helen, after a year and a half of no practice being like sheepish but also quite horny just Mm. like oh the worst subtle flirts because like oh god oh and where did that come from so uh, in terms of the celibacy that you said was self-imposed or self-embraced uh is that because you'd come out of something in july 2019 that you wanted to leave a little bit of a gap behind yeah so I, i was in a relationship with this dude and it was the second time that we had uh dated he was like my first more serious relationship uh when I moved to this country and we thought it would be a good idea it's actually hilarious so he hit me up again for some mental health advice (laughs) and I thought it would be a good idea to restart our relationship (laughs) Oh, wow. You're one of those guys. Okay, cool. cool. I've, I've actually, I've had sex with people like you before where you like, you contact them because you're like, hey, this thing, this oh interest we have that coincides or whatever, I really need some more information on it. And then yeah. it's like, yeah. is that a red light or a yeah. green? Yeah. And you know, sometimes, you know, that's so cute and so fun. But when that thing is both of your poor mental health totally. and he's going, hey, I'm now experiencing the poor mental health that you were experiencing when Mm. we dated before. And I didn't really get Mm. it then, but I feel like I get it now. And would you mind talking to me about how you like deal with stuff like this? And, and I was like, I definitely wouldn't mind. I'm always here to share, you know, uh, information and talk about mental health because I love that. I'm, Mm. you know, happy to, support you but also it'll probably solve it if you fuck me (laughs) (laughs) if you fuck me for months (laughs) just a mess but yeah so that did not end well and I just thought that some time to myself was uh the best thing Mm. oh so I took it but then yeah I had enough it's not me not we must be the situation but it all down to the ground let's start again I'm sexually like aspirational. Mm-hmm. Like I want to have a really fun, exciting sex life. Yeah, I've been like in a couple play situations, um, but not as many as I would like, you know, nearly. Would you yeah. say you've always been adventurous and aspirational when it comes to sex? Or is that something that's developed as you personally have maybe grown into yourself? I'd say definitely the second one, right? Like, so I grew up uh, in Texas and I, you know, grew up uh, in Baptist churches, um, which led me to feel like going to a, a Christian college was a good idea, a university. I saw a photograph you posted once on your Instagram where you had maybe straightened hair and you were Perhaps. in a cheerleader outfit. Oh yeah, and it was that like a occurred. different team. I like it I won like that pageant. Um, like stuff happened. Mm. Um, and in that time, so in high school, um, I was really quite involved in church, like 
they make it so cool right <laughs> you know, there's like free pizza and a summer trip <laughs> a summer trip where every morning and every evening we're gonna be on the beach reading that sweet sweet word of the lord <laughs> so, so there's this whole like social life around it and a part of that was purity culture mm-hmm. and i had a promise ring i i did a, a promise ring ceremony where I got like a little silver ring to put on my um like I guess wedding ring finger of mm. whatever you call that that said true love waits and I like signed something that was like I'm not gonna fuck until I get married um and that was very much my intention unfortunately it led me to um do everything but <laughs> penetration intercourse with my boyfriend at the time and when I finally, uh, you know, kind of felt like, okay, I can do this, like, um, guilt-wise and Christian-wise, because, uh, frankly, I was ready before then. Uh, but when I finally did open for penetration, I <laughs> fucked an asshole. So I really wish I fucked my first boyfriend instead of just doing all sorts of great, how like, hand-and-mouth stuff. Great hand-and-mouth stuff. Mm. Love that. Because when you finally, so you left the church by that point. I was just, so I was still at my uh, college, but I was just like, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's bone. You know, I was like, I'm not going to go to hell. Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then unfortunately that um, environment was really judgmental Mm -hmm. because it was a private Christian university in a small town. Um, so it wasn't the place to be sexual, um, just period. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have even been allowed, Helen, because in our school handbook, you can't be pregnant. So you wouldn't be able to study right now. Oh, wow. What a shame. <laughs> I know. At my age. I know. You, <laughs> you really want to, but no. Having gone through that process of signing papers and doing a ceremony and wearing a ring, did you? how did it feel to then... Like, obviously, in the moment, there's the excitement of breaking a rule, but then did it carry over with any kind of guilt? I would say, I think there was a pressure internally and externally. Um, it felt like it felt like what people at my university were saying was, sex is bad. But if you're in a quite serious relationship, then we get it. You know, we won't, um, we won't talk about you then. There won't be any gossip about you then if you're in a serious, committed relationship. So it made me feel like that that person who did not want to be in a serious or committed relationship with me, Mm. um, you know, that I could not see that. I could not see that or fathom that because why would you have sex with someone if that's not what you wanted? Yeah. Or dare I say, we're in and pressure to maybe try to make things happen with people that I wasn't even meant to be with. You're getting away with doing everything but penetration at the university or even like before. Yeah. Did that include, because I know sometimes it does, Mm. basically overlooking queer relationships? Like would girls having sex with each other just not qualify as sex so who cares so it wasn't really um wasn't really a topic of conversation one of my favorite (laughs) games to play at present 
is how many of us are gay now. Mm. Um, it's a fun game. And from it's it's hilarious from the group of people I hung out with. And also some of the boys I had a crush on. The numbers are astounding. My favorite is a boy I had a crush on at my um, middle school and high school, which these were not the same people I went to church with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the boy, a boy I had a crush on from school and a boy I had a crush on from church at two separate times are now together and they've been together for years. So yeah. I didn't know that I was queer. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I knew something. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't really a, a big topic of conversation. I remember one friend of mine on the cheer squad, um, she was bi at the time as she was figuring out. And there were a lot of comments about that. Um, and I didn't, know, I didn't know where I stood in that, have really... Uh, an opinion about myself in relation to that I just knew that we're not gonna pick on my friend and we're not gonna like you know judge her for this I've always been like neutral towards uh toward judgment of queerness in my head I wonder if it's because my brain was trying to save me from the terrible pain of internalized homophobia um which I still get a little echo of (laughs) here and there um but so for me, that wasn't really a big uh, thing that was happening. Um, but it did start to happen with me um, in college. You know, it was very kind of Katy Perry, though. I kissed a girl and I liked it because we were both at a party. <laughs> right. <laughs> very cheeky. <laughs> but yeah. And then after um, college, where I think you know, not a lot of still healthy sexual relationships or, you know, things really forming um, sexually or romantically, which is not that great, honestly. I've come to the conclusion that that was not really <laughs> an environment meant for me to thrive in mm-hmm. as the, you know, queer, um, loud person that I am. Um, then I moved to LA where things did get a bit more fun. Yeah, because I was like, Let's go be gay now. Ooh, I feel nice. I feel very, very good indeed. Since I feel lovely, would you like to come and play with me? Okay. My mom's from there, so I have family I can stay with. Let's see how that goes. I met a girl. Um, I thought that was going to be really sexually enlightening. Turns out I was the only one of us that liked vaginas, even though we were dating. <laughs> that's that not the first time I've heard that, you know, that that's a thing. Yeah. It's and like. So one person is just expected to do all the work or at least is expected to kind of serve the other. Is that how that works? I feel like so. I know there are different versions of this where you have, I guess, the kind of pillow princess model mm-hmm. where one person um prefers to be pleasured etc um and maybe you could say that's out of selfishness and then you also have uh the touch me nots right and there are some people who um don't like to be touched there are some people this is more common i find within the community of queer women uh, that don't like uh, penetration um so they're like let's focus on the outside let's get very clit based with it mm-hmm. um and I find yeah I find that I've come across that more than p- people who are just like don't pleasure me 
Um, but I think with the girl that I was seeing, I think that she just wanted, she liked the idea of having a girlfriend um, and of having an attractive girlfriend that she could also be attractive with for the male gaze. It was twisted. Wow. Yeah. Ah, incredible. Is there a name? So you're, because what you're verbalizing is essentially like a step on from when girls become friends with each other because they're both hot mm. and they want other guys to fancy mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. but they're not actually necessarily friends or they don't really mm-hmm. understand what female friendship mm-hmm. is. So is it, is that something is common that happens? <laughs> I guess maybe uh, when you're young and that kind of bullshit is just prevalent. I don't know. I feel like um, that person, I think that, I mean, I'm a comedian, right? So I'm not mm. exempt. I feel like, she wanted a certain kind of attention. Right. Um, and she had been in LA for years before I had moved there. And I think somehow she had worked out that that kind of relationship. I don't know. I think she thought that it would be beneficial for her and her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did have some clunky threesomes um, where that were about me fitting into her lifestyle not so much what we wanted to do together wow so you're kind of window dressing yeah it's very interesting interesting and also from a pleasure perspective uh I would imagine quite dissatisfying Mm. Mm mm-hmm so I think my like do you see now why I'm so you know tenacious when it comes to you know that's why I'm so sexually aspirational is because I feel like I was disserviced for quite a while whether I was doing myself a disservice um by being in situations with people that would disservice me like do you know like yeah I just feel like there was quite a lot of time spent in situations that weren't for me or about me and Kima what was the process of going like this is bullshit. It doesn't feel nice. I'm being played by yeah. this idiot who is below me. Yeah. And uh, then stepping into something that was more enjoyable and felt more like you were the one guiding it. Because that's really yeah. interesting. I haven't heard that phrase, aspirational sex, before. Mm. And I guess, if, listening to what you've been saying so far, what you mean by it is like mm, aspiring to have sex that is for Fucking you and about phenomenal. you. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And exciting things just I don't know I feel like there's so much up for grabs right Mm, mm. and I definitely want to answer that question but I think first I want to tell you I guess kind of about what I mean by aspirational I have found out about these kind of like kinky communities Mm -hmm. and these play communities um and a lot of I don't know a lot of it just excites me and I'm very curious about it Um, And I don't know if these are things that I will, that will resonate with me and that will stick with me, you know, for the rest of my life or something like that. All I know is that I'm very curious and I'd like to try, you know, and I'm just like, what's going on? And I just feel like if there is great sex to be had, then I would like to have it, you know? Mm. Um, And so I'd like to, you know, be with someone who is also just very open and maybe even active about trying new things and being in different situations. 
because uh, the best orgasms I have had have been under really shifty circumstances, but we can get to that. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, there's got to be a way to come hard without danger. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but I could think the process... <laughs> oh, so you sounded a bit like Vin Diesel then. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be possible to come hard without danger. <laughs> I really want to see you as the next sidekick in one of those movies. And that's your line in the I'm just trailer. like, guys, we got to come hard. <laughs> and stay safe. Hot to day oh, hot to da da. Hot to day oh, hot to day day. Hot to day oh, hot to da da. Hot to da da day. What are you doing? Can you? I'm still on with British cats. Because with my first lovely sexual partner, it was very much about us, mm-hmm. you know? He wanted to make me feel good. And I wanted to learn how to suck a dick. Um, <laughs> but we had a great time, you know. And I think um, when I, you know, had that penetrative intercourse mm. with that very <laughs> selfish person um, who I was 17, he was 22. I mm. just got to college and he was like a senior. So it was actually quite predatory. Yeah. Um, so this person who was not looking out for my best interest at all, I feel like kind of set me on this confused path of um, now knowing that I love some penetration. I found that out. Um, But then he cut off my dick supply because he wasn't, uh, he didn't want to see me anymore. That wasn't his intention really. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I know that I love penetration, I guess. Oh man, that dick was amazing. Where do I get more dick? <laughs> and now I'm looking for more dick, confused, and and I <laughs> I'm looking for like I'm looking for dick, but also love. But then I'm not ever really finding them in the same place, and it's very confusing. And mm. you know, vaginas aren't even on my radar. Um, but so I think it was going from the realization that sex can be nice. And I did have sex with some people who were quite invested, you know, in my pleasure, but it wasn't a reoccurring theme, right? Or I would occasionally have a great time, but sometimes, though, it seemed like they they weren't looking for that or they didn't care about that. So it was realizing that this sex isn't about me. It's not for me. Mm. Saying it should be. I want it to be. Yeah. Um. Because that's like the next step. It sounds to me like you never had an issue or you quite regularly had a lot of fun and enjoyed it on like a physical level. But then Mm. it was never met by that emotional kind of connection. And that's so important for me. Yeah. So important for me. I don't know. I feel like if you go through situations that leave you feeling disempowered Mm -hmm. in any in any area. I think that you owe it to yourself to empower yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of situations at that time left me feeling quite disempowered. Um, and I won't stand for it, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't think that's fair. And I do feel like in a way seeking out, you know, great sex and great sexual experiences is healing. 
And you want me to... With my elbow. Okay. So needing to be able to come hard without, without danger. danger. Is that because you're speaking from a place of that's generally where you've come hard in the past in, in spaces that yeah. are actually quite dangerous? So without the use of electronics, the times that I have like, <laughs> <laughs> the times that I have come, um, I mean, I would say before a certain point, because there have been times after that where I've like, come without the use of electronics but just by the the knowing hand of a great person you Mm -hmm. know there was this corkscrew fingering technique that was happening and I don't know what was I'd never felt a twist like that I mean at this moment the hand gesture you're doing looks more like a fish swimming through coral (laughs) it's quite terrifying (laughs) (laughs) I was like what's happening um but there was a situation where um, I was cheating. Mind you, this is all in college. Horrible shit happening. I was cheating. There was another situation where the person was cheating. Actually, this is the same person. We just had a very unhealthy, uh, <laughs> a very unhealthy affair. I was a nineteen-year-old having an affair. Illicit, exciting, mystery. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let me read this novel called Teenage Mistakes. Um, <laughs> another situation. I was. It was when I was in LA, um, and I, I was having mentally not a great time. So I asked my Nana, she has like timeshares and stuff. She loves a timeshare. Mm-hmm. So I asked my Nana if it would be possible for me to go spend a couple of days out of town. I just wanted to get out of town. I go to Palm Springs, which I feel like is like where LA people go to have breakdowns. Right. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those spots where it's just like out of town. Not a lot happening, but you and your tears. Uh, so I went to stay, and I'm usually not a big tenderoni. Um, I'm not on the apps much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got on Tinder, and I was like, I'm going to fuck. Um, and so I'm mentally in a bad space. This man comes over. Like, I was about to say, <laughs> famously, he's racially ambiguous, and that doesn't make sense. But in his profile, he literally was like, what am I? You wish you knew or something, yeah, which was just weird. There was, it was like a, a copper brown skin tone. And, and I was just like, this guy is South Asian or Hispanic. I was just like, what's happening? Like either he's Latino or he's, I can't tell. I was like, he's right. That sounds like that kind of subheading or whatever. Yeah, he was an asshole. Would is very much like a comic book hero. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You wish you knew. So he was very much egotistical. Like, but I loved that. Everybody's asking. Yeah, you're dying to know. And I mentioned (laughs) that to let you know how little I knew about this man. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Because if I knew his last name, I'd be able to figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah like um so this yeah (laughs) tinder dude comes over is very cocky which I'm just like yeah I I love a confident person um proceeds 
to we bone it's awesome I squared a bit and I'm like yeah and it was my mental duress (laughs) (laughs) and the danger it was being in a city by myself fucking a stranger off the internet while not having a great time mentally otherwise Mm. And I gotta find a way to come without danger. Do you think it's because, I love that that story took that turn. I think everyone listening will probably be like, uh, I saw that going a, a really different way. That, that comic con man was gonna like, oh no, yeah, cut your neck and leave no, you to it was great. Bleed out. Oh my God. I'm very glad. Oh. I wonder whether there is something, when I take risks and I get away with them, I feel very powerful. I feel mm. very proud of mm. myself. I feel like I'm a, mm. I've been a fucking idiot. Like I could have mm-hmm. died, but, but also badass. like I did not die. And therefore mm. there must be something implicitly uh, holier than now about me that I survived that situation. So yeah. do you think there's something about the like, if especially if you're talking about being in a place of low mental health, yeah. I would imagine that coincided or manifested itself as well as like low self-esteem. Cause it's very rare mm. that you're in a place of like, poor mental health in your life. But I'm I amazing. do still rate myself. <laughs> so maybe Well, hey, something... Helen, but don't forget, as a person with bipolar disorder, I have access to mania, girl. Okay, yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> okay. I got access to that sweet, sweet, <laughs> fragile confidence. <laughs> I, was wondering, I was wondering if there was something about the affirmation of being able to come, have good sex, not only good sex, but squirting, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean you're actually having pleasure. I have established in the past, yeah, it yeah, could just yeah, be an auto right. reaction of your vagina. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, something about that that felt like really validating in that time of quite, uh, of confusion. You know, Maybe so, you know. I think also, like, Tony was hot, okay? (laughs) And I was hot as well. But for some reason, sometimes, fucking a stranger that you're, like, objectively, this person is very hot. Yeah. Feels like an accomplishment. In a weird way, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Is it something as well about like fucking? You're like that person consented to having sex with me. Precisely, because you don't really know. Then there's no emotional baggage, etc. Does it feel quite freeing for you as well to meet that person and be like, I really don't need to let them know anything about what's going on. Yeah, just have sex. Oh, I think so. I think too, because I mentioned that he he was like quite cocky about himself or whatever. Mm. Um, I could never date that, but I could fuck that, and I could definitely fuck someone who thinks that like someone who believes in themselves yeah because you got to believe in yourself (laughs) to think that you can have great sex do you know what I mean yeah totally he just brought a very capable energy but I knew that he was probably a bit of a dickhead did you did you you really want these do you know yourself how well do you know have you had relationships that have been longer term, maybe not monogamous, but like mm. definitely more caring, more emotionally, like providing? Oh, aid? yeah. So it was weird because like I had this, it just clicked for me. And, you know, with all respect and love to my parents, they did not set a good example together or individually Mm -hmm. um for uh relationships like they did not 
set a good precedent at all. Um, and so my attitude towards these things was a bit underdeveloped, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a moment while I was in undergrad that it occurred to me, there was a guy that I was like hooking up with um, that I was just like, I have something to say to him and I don't know what it was. I think I had an issue with how he was behaving and I didn't feel comfortable bringing that up. And I was like, hold on, you can't be, you shouldn't be fucking people you can't talk to. Like, do you know? And it was just that simple of an insight. Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly, I've brought the insight to other people and it's been new for them. And I'm like, I don't know. But um, it just occurred to me that, like, you need to be able to have, and whether it's, oh, where did this chlamydia come from? <laughs> to, I need you to, you know, respond to my messages or whatever whatever it is, you need to have that kind of communication. And what that's evolved into now, you know, several years down the line is um, like, I I think, so that was, um, don't be afraid to speak to people and you need to not fuck with people that make you feel like you can't communicate things to them or that your feelings don't matter to them. Mm. That is, mm -mm, you don't need that. And now I'm at a place where um, people that aren't open about their feelings, I'm over it. Like I, I really, my big bother in my past couple of relationships and why one is currently ending is um, people that have issues that they don't share with you. Um, because I'm really non-judgmental and I'm really supportive. Mm-hmm. So um, it feels like you don't trust me when you don't allow me to support you, especially when you insist on supporting me. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is this is like a, a thing, a reoccurring theme at present, which is that I think that because these people are quite, they feel quite a vulnerable and emotionally open. So I feel like they are but turns out there's a wall behind the walls that have come down. Um, And it it does create a barrier to the kind of intimacy that I seek at present. Mm -hmm. And I think even like, as I move forward and I hope to be um, non-monogamous for a bit, um, you know, to see how I like that. I just like to try it, Mm -hmm. you know, I just want to see what's up. (laughs) um I still do seek intimacy you know even if I am seeing two or three people I would want to have that connection with them because I've come to know that um and I don't want less than that I need to ask you because we always finish on it what does it feel like to orgasm for you Mm, mm, it depends I'll say (laughs) it feels like (laughs) it feels like an almost and I don't know how what I mean by it feels like an almost is I feel like they can be better right and maybe they're boring because I mostly give them to myself Mm -hmm. but I think emotionally not so much physically but emotionally it feels like 
a promise that has yet to be kept. And I'm still looking for, yeah. Although recently I did have one. I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, playing with a toy while eating out my lover. <laughs> um, and something about the angle and just like looking at her uh, and having something to do. Mm. I don't know. It was all the activities. I don't know. But I just left a puddle on my floor. Um, I, so I don't know. I don't know. It feels like. And how did the... that feel sensation wise? Like in terms yeah. of physically, what was happening for you? It felt like all the it was, it was confusion and excitement. Because I remember at one point, like looking in her eyes with like this concern on my face, like, oh, no, I'm about to squid on the floor. And she like <laughs> registered and she was like, it's OK. And I was like, is it OK? And, like, <laughs> uh, so at that point, I mean, I mean, I feel like it's not it's obviously not giving birth, but it felt like we were trying to bring something to life. And then it was. And then I needed to smoke and go to sleep. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> You're such a wonderful guest. I'm so pleased to have had you on. Thank you so much, Kima. Thanks. Thanks for having me, you know. You're wonderful to talk to. And um, I'm so excited for this, like, new chapter of Helen D. Gem. I love talking to her so much. As I mentioned in the intro, if you want to hear more extras that we didn't include in this episode, go to Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff. And there you will find extras on Kima talking about more mental health stuff. Obviously, we got into it a little bit in this conversation, but there was more detail to be had around boundaries, inner critics, mania, masturbation. It's all glorious stuff. If you would like to find out more about Kima, I'm going to post all of her details as ever in our episode notes, links to relevant things we talked about. This episode was edited by me with production support from the wonderful Daisy Grant. And if you just want to lob us a one-off donation rather than becoming a full-time subscriber, you can go to our Ko-fi, which is ko dash fi.com forward slash Helen Duff should say should say as a public service announcement and so that you don't all die with envy (laughs) I have become a lot more pregnant since we did that interview I'm now whilst recording this outro a week overdue I know women at the swimming pool have been commenting non-stop and honestly women at the swimming pool are a special special breed who have no boundaries when it comes to approaching you in the showers and asking when your due date is Look, I have uh, been trying to have the same kind of sex as I described to Kima at the beginning of this episode with much joy and glory. And it gets harder. (laughs) It gets really hard when you have an extremely present baby in your stomach who is almost entirely taking up every spare space. So, yeah, it's been a lot trickier. Joints have definitely been almost knocked out of and I didn't want you to think that I'd just been plain sailing the whole way through aka an absolute jammy dodger oh no don't you worry I have now become so heavy for my own legs that my feet have begun to crack underneath me like one of those scenes in an apocalyptic movie where you know there's a huge earthquake coming because the ground beneath you (laughs) begins to shatter that's what's happening in my heels okay wonderful We're back. We've got so many amazing episodes to come in the rest of this series and I cannot wait for you to hear them.
But for now, take care of yourself. And next time you hear from me, I'll be a mum. Ooh.